You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm here. <laughs> My name's Eric. I agreed to this. I just have to make make it uh, make it known up front that I'm here voluntarily. Yes. Uh, you are not forced here against your will. Yep. And um, you didn't send Even a terrible like remake sometimes. version of yourself, which I'm glad that you didn't do. Oh, that would have been a great idea. Yeah. Just a cardboard cutout. Uh, cardboard cutout but like add in some sexiness it would have been very appropriate for this episode it would have been we're talking about a lot of uh carbon copies yeah soulless carbon copies today well only one soulless carbon copy yeah okay i'll give you that all right so we're continuing our newer isn't always better series and uh last time we talked about evil dead and like I, I wanted to uh, to mention because like we started out last episode talking about how we're not trying to be harsh in all of these movies. Part of it is just you know us poking fun at ourselves since we did like our official relaunch. Um, but sometimes people don't actually like listen to the podcast; they just see the title. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? This movie's awesome! It's like, yes, it is. If we're you- just saying it's not as good as a perfect movie. It, it's a great movie. If you, if okay, you're talking about Evil Dead right now. I'm talking if, about Evil Dead. If you were talking right, I'm, about, I'm adding that before we get into today's episode. If someone to has add a little clarification <laughs> for the purpose of the series. Okay, if someone saw the title of this episode and thought, "What that movie's awesome," please let us know. Like, I want to know who you are, and I would, I would love to hear your arguments. I'm so curious. And and here's the other thing about that opinions are subjective like we are not even necessarily saying that the movies that we're talking about are just inherently bad movies it's just in our opinion the originals are amazing if not you know practically Mm -hmm. flawless movies the fog not so much it's great but Mm -hmm. it's not it's not the best yeah um and it's just why remake perfection in our opinion other people might not enjoy the original movies as much and might mm-hmm. enjoy the remakes better because those are the ones they grew up with. Uh, sure. we, we started last time with a joke about star Wars. So we'll mention that this time. Some people grew up on the original trilogy yeah. and everything since then has been terrible. Other people <laughs> grew up on the prequels and they remember them very fondly. Mm-hmm. So yes, while we do talk about some of the technical components and the actual quality of the film, a lot of this really is just our opinion, so of course. Uh, we're, we're not trying to be harsh on movies. <sighs> yeah, we're going to be, though. Most movies. We're going to be. I, I mean, I hate to say this. I feel like I'm already, like, just... I want to I want to make it known up front that this is not going to be a happy episode, and I don't like the... I mean, like, again, we talk about how much we love to celebrate movies, but given the 
given the task we set before ourselves for some fucking reason. <laughs> On today's episode, I've got to be honest. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the fog. Uh, so we're going to spend 2005 mo- yes. the remake. Yeah. So we're going to spend most of our time talking about the thing. Yeah. From 2011. Yes. Yeah, because we have to. I have to hold myself back a little bit because I'm going to be honest. I'm going to try and be kind. Um, there are some kind of things. That okay, I can let me think let me rephrase. I'm going to try and be fair to this movie. Yes. We'll go with that. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. So we're we're going to do the same thing that we did last time, where we're going to start out with some of just the general remake discussion uh, in terms of you know how does it stack up, why does it even exist, and then we'll get into our overall review uh, with the technical, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, prior information and how that shaped our expectations, which again kind of overlaps with the uh, the general remake discussion of it. Uh, and then what we thought of the movies from technical standpoints, emotional standpoints, how rewatchable they are, and who we recommend them for. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, initially we were just going to do The Fog. Yeah. And we both really don't like being mean to movies. And so when I was rewatching The Fog, I was texting Eric and like, yeah, we're going to have to add the thing in as well, because otherwise it's going to be five minutes of... Ooh, if, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, and that also. That, <laughs> we're, that, we're making this a double feature. Well, and adding the to thing have into, things to say. Adding the thing into ended up kind of uh, not being a successful idea on my part, too, because I don't you have. You are wrong. I have some. I have good things to say about it. But I have lots not, of good things to say about it. Not a lot it. of good things to I have, say I have a lot of good things to say about the thing. Okay. Because I have a lot of great things to say about the thing. Yeah. The original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> Before we start getting in uh, to all of this, just a quick reminder that submissions for the Knoxville Horror Film Fest are already open. Uh, that's going to be sometime mid-October. They haven't released the actual dates of the Film Fest yet, but um, for the last, I, I think, ever since they've been doing it, uh, it's been like the second week of October, I think, typically two weeks before Halloween. So I assume it's going to be around that same time this year, you know, sometime around the uh, 18th through 21st, maybe. And uh, the Chattanooga Film Festival uh, that is coming up in April, April 17th through 20th. Is that right? 16th through the 19th. It's not that I don't believe you. It's that I thought that I just saw a different date when I was looking at it. But my brain. I remember it because it's um, six and nine. Of course, that's why you remember yep. it. So it's April 16th through 19th. Yeah, so you, you did even you put your phone down like, nope, don't need to verify that. That's definitely true. <laughs> well, and because I also saw the dates. Uh, it's because six and nine are inverses. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, you know, kind of like a yin-yang or whatever sort of situation. Uh-huh. No other reason. Yeah. It's also sex jokes. Uh, oh. <laughs> Really? So. <laughs> Tell me a little more, a little bit more about this. I've never heard this before. Well, when two people love each other very much, uh, and okay, so in three months and a day from today, the Chattanooga Film Festival will be starting, and our families will not be seeing us for three days. Um, sorry, Jess. Ooh, love harsh. You. That's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, that's they might see us a little bit. Yeah. Coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. I I cannot wait. I I get they more and more excited. forward to getting rid of us for a little while. <laughs> they probably are. I look more and more forward to the Chat Film Fest every single year, and this year is no exception. And I cannot wait until they start making some announcements so that we can really geek out over uh, specifics of things that are going to be going on. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Chat Film Fest, April 16th through 19th, Knoxville Horror Film Fest. 
October mid. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, frightening ass film fest, uh, which is typically the weekend of Halloween, if not Halloween itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, go do those things. You can find links for Chattanooga Film Fest is chatfilmfest.org, and Knoxville Horror Film Fest is centralcinema865.com. And um, they don't have the websites immediately updated, so Facebook is probably slightly more up to date. Because all you have to do to post an update on Facebook is post, post an, update. an update. Yeah. <laughs> With websites, it's like, okay, we have to get in here. We have to change this thing. So those take a little bit longer. Um, so even though you can definitely find the major information on the websites, follow them on Facebook to uh, to get the more up-to-date announcements. Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the, all the social medias. Yes. And you can find all of those linked from us, Video Monster Pod, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yep. Okay, now that we've got all that stuff out of the way, mm-hmm. let's start talking about John Carpenter. Let's get lost in the fog, Nathan. Let's, man, I love what little the fog. bit of fog there is. The it it is a fogging awesome movie, uh, and we're talking about John Carpenter's original. From about the nineteen eighty movie. Yes, we're talking okay. about the nineteen eighty John Carpenter's The Fog. I love this movie. Yeah, it's really good. We we recovered it back in 2018, and uh, it's not it's not my favorite Carpenter. Um, you can go back and see that I was. It's definitely a movie that I really like, and I had a good time with. It does a great job of building dread and atmosphere. Um, it's beautiful to look at. Maybe his best looking movie, and he, all of his movies are incredible. Well, that's not true, especially with what that is his best looking movie. His best looking movie? No. What what is? Not that. I don't. All of his movies, especially uh, any movie that he's made with Dean Cundey, is beautiful to look at. Yes, and it, it is a great movie. I'm just saying all of his movies are amazing. This one is not as amazing as some of the other ones. I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think it's a beautiful movie, though. Um, I'm not disagreeing with that. It is. <laughs> that is an accurate statement. <laughs> so anyway, I think it's it's my favorite movie of his to look at. Um <laughs> Anyway, I don't. Now I'm totally derailed. I don't even remember where I was going with this. It, it's fun. It's, I, I really like it. It's a movie that I don't love, um, but I, I definitely appreciate it a lot more after uh, after this week. Well, and this is the only the second time that you've seen it, right? I actually did not rewatch the whole movie. I watched. I rewatched a little bit of it, but I didn't have a chance to go through the whole okay, thing but, again. But you at least got through. Did you have a better experience this time than the first time? Yes, I okay. did. I know. I knew a little bit more about what to expect, and I watched it after the 2005 movie and uh boy that that's gonna be one of the uh, i I feel like that's the reason why john carpenter is an is a producer on the remake because he's like well at the very least you know i get some extra cash in my pocket (laughs) and uh it might make my movie look better that's why i'm not mad at john carpenter for uh for being a producer on this movie and just in terms of like I want some money. Just, okay. John yeah. Carpenter deserves all the money. I, I have no problems with it being a cash grab movie. I have a hard time picturing it grabbing well, any cash. Though. It is definitely a cash grab. It came out. Uh, it was greenlit before they even had a script. <laughs> and it was definitely uh, part of that big wave of uh, PG-13 horror remakes that kind of came out after <sighs> The Ring was a big success. All right. So we'll get there in a second. <laughs> um it, it seems like your path with the fog is very, very similar to mine, where the mm. first time that I saw it, I liked it. You know, it it's not as amazing as his other ones. Like, it doesn't yeah. stick with me as much because so many of the other movies that he's done, they've been so groundbreaking yeah. and they've been so iconic. And the fog, it, it's great, but it's just kind of there you know it's, it's just a very his simple telling, movie. It yeah. seems more like a st- an exercise in style and and 
atmosphere than it is like just a and i think even john carpenter himself like after seeing the first cut of the movie said like oh yeah there's it's not that scary so he added in a few other things um later yeah but like it doesn't give you kurt russell and his amazing beard it mm -hmm. doesn't give you the thing it doesn't give you um, the shape it doesn't give you like there's so many other iconic things in john carpenter's movies Mm -hmm. that with the fog Again, there's nothing bad about it. It's just it Man. doesn't stand out as much. That was main, my first experience with yeah. it. Rewatching it and knowing a little bit more, it's like, you know what? I, I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. And then rewatching it again, it's like, this is such an amazing movie because of how simple it is and because it is just a very simple ghost story. Mm-hmm. But somehow taking like, you know, the scary things from the days of old and making it feel like a fresh horror film Mm -hmm. to where it still stands up today like watching it it felt like i could have been watching a modern movie uh because you know like sometimes small little fishing towns you know they're not quite as technologically uh, advanced just in terms of you know sometimes they don't have the infrastructure for it so it very much felt like it could have been just a sleepy fishing town in 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 modern times and it still could have held up so it should put you to sleep no no so i'm just kidding (laughs) so each time that i've watched the fog i love it more and more and more Mm -hmm. and i think that after you've watched it two or three more times you'll be at the like yeah i'm I'm really in the mood to watch the fog rather than just like ah it's yeah it's good i'm definitely a lot more eager to revisit it than i expect it to be oh yeah i I, after my initial watch so <clears throat> With that being said, <laughs> here goes. What were your expectations for the? It's two thousand five, right? Two thousand five. Yeah. What were your expectations for the two thousand five remake of The Fog, produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill? Yeah. Yep. I, um, I had a because money, and I don't fault them for that. I had very little to no expectations for this movie. I mean, going into it, this is this is one of those horror movies that was made during the era that I kind of uh, grew up in and like was really starting to become big into movies. And it's because of movies like this and all of these kind of cash grab horror remakes that I came late to the horror genre. Like why I did not like the horror movies at all, really. And kind of dismiss them outright because I was most of my exposure to them was just these awful movies where the studios, again, saw the success of stuff like The Ring and were like, hey, let's look and see what other horror movies we have in our back catalog and see what we can just kind of like fast track to make some quick cash. Right. Um, And yeah. But did you know that it was a remake at the time? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty I, sure I, I didn't. did. I, I, I mean, I don't. I honestly can't remember. I would have been 14 when this movie came out, and so I don't remember. That was. I spent a lot of time just kind of like perusing IMDb in some of my classes when I had extra time. Uh, that was basically what I did for fun and sure. just digging into the trivia rabbit hole and Wikipedia and all that stuff. So I feel like I might have been aware of it at the time, um, if I even cared. I feel like it's one of those <laughs> movies where I, I might have seen it and been like, "Oh, that looks like shit." So <laughs> nope. Um, and then, yeah, so going back to it, I, yeah, I didn't have high expectations. I knew the (laughs) reputation that this movie had going into it. Um, I was just hoping that I would at least not be offended by it. And, uh, I will say that I, it's, it's fairly inoffensive in terms of just like the content, but as a movie, it is an abject 
failure. I, I mean, <clears throat> there is some unnecessary objectification of women walking around in their underwear and uh, an yeah, unnecessary I mean, explanation of people getting leprosy from the Chinese. Yeah, I mean, it was that feels. Yeah, that's true. Like, you, oh, my God. So th- that does remind me of one of the weirdest things in the movie where uh, you get uh, Maggie Grace walks outside in her underwear, which that isn't too egregious because, I mean, she did just have sex for what it because whatever. But she was just on the computer. Well, she got up out of bed to get on the computer. But anyway, so she walks outside and she's cold. So she grabs a sweater that was just sitting outside. So it's like, hey, I'm cold. I'm going to grab this sweater that is also cold and also not going to put on pants. My favorite thing about that is like she if I'm remembering the scene correctly, she doesn't even look around and be like, oh, hey, there's a sweater there. Yeah, she just she It's just like she it. just knows, like, yes, there's my outside panty sweater it's for when so... I walk outside in nothing but my underwear. Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. It's exactly how it happens. I mean, that's that's I have one of those, don't you? Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's kind of like how if you if you ever leave your jacket in the car and you're like, damn it, now I have to run out in the cold, grab it, and then I have to be cold wearing my jacket because it's been out in the cold. So she probably just made herself more cold. It's so weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Let's move on. It's, it's weird. All right. So <clears throat> believe it or not, I had actually seen the remake of The Fog prior to watching it for this episode. I do episode. believe this, Nathan. I really do. And I don't. I don't understand it. I, it's so weird to me that you watched this movie and were like, hey, we should cover this movie on my, on our podcast. I want to watch it again. <sighs> okay. So you remember what we talked about with Trapped in Paradise? That's with, exactly uh, what I was thinking. That Schadenfreude about. of just your discomfort of watching movies. Well, when you, it's funny because it reminds me how when you when we initially did the Fog back in 2018, you also handed me the copy of the remake. And was like, hey, you can also check this one out, too, if you want to. And I took it home with me, and uh, I was just like, why would... I'm like, no. I just... I immediately brought it back to you the next day, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, I'm not watching this. My biggest regret over the last week is not buying for you at a pawn shop the uh, theatrical cut full screen version of 2005. Oh, my God. That would be absolutely horrible the only the only real i mean that that's a good segue i think unless you have more prior information because oh right so my prior information is uh i had seen this movie before and i remember hating it but like i i saw it several years ago so like i couldn't remember why i hated it and at the time i might have even seen this one before uh before the original i can't remember it's been again several years but it's bad. Like it's, and we really are not trying to talk harsh about a movie. There are a couple of you know somewhat positive things that that we can say. Mm-hmm. But in discussing our newer, isn't always better. Mm-hmm. Like we were trying to come up with a, a variety of films to uh, to include in this topic, and so like we started out with Evil Dead, which is a great remake of a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. And I was even thinking about that. Um, Evil Dead does just about everything right with what a remake should do. Personally, I just don't think that it executed everything well. Right. Okay. Which, I, I, yeah, because I sounded like I really hate that movie. I don't. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's just I got issues. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we have an example of a great remake with Evil Dead. We have an example of a, a fine remake that does a lot of things but is kind of pointless with RoboCop. It's a fine movie. We'll get there. It's fine. Next week. We're going to partially get there when we talk about the thing, which is, it's fine. It's just pointless. And then we kind of needed an example of, okay, what is a terrible movie that really highlights like, 
ah, there's ways to do remakes well, and there's (laughs) ways to do remakes that should never be done. Yeah. And and so, of course, The Fog. Um, And and especially because, again, John Carpenter's original The Fog is not a perfect movie. It's Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. I love it. There's so many things about it that, especially in this rewatch, I was like, oh, my God, this movie is so much smarter than what it seems on a first watch. Yeah. But it's it's also kind of forgettable. You I know, think it's, it's a good it's movie there. to remake, honestly, because there's yes. there's so many things that you could explore with that. And I, and, uh, John, and Carpenter's original intention with the fog was to make it an anthology where like the fog could go to different towns and do different things, and you could tell different types of ghost stories through this um, this premise. And I think that they really with this movie really missed out on a great idea to or a great um, opportunity to exploit that and really do something different and new with it and go with the original vision and instead they just uh like tried to do the same movie but much much worse oh my god we're yeah oh man yeah like it very easily could have been kind of like with halloween where it wasn't supposed to follow mike myers it was just supposed to be like halloween tales yeah and and that's one of the things that I love so much about the original Fog is it just starts out with a very simple ghost story mm-hmm. that puts you in the mood of the film. So the rest of the film, like I have that same feeling that that little kid does at the very beginning, which again, oh my God, it's so great. And it's so subtle. But when the scary old fisherman dude is talking about, you know, there were these ghosts in the fog and the ship, you know, crashed upon the shore, mm-hmm. driven by a fire like this. And the kid like looks at the fire and like, it's such a quick little scene but you get that childlike innocence of like, yeah. what? A campfire can be scary? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought also, this was supposed to be safe. What, and like yeah. it, it puts you, put me at least, in the mood watching that movie of that little kid kind of being creeped out by a ghost story. Yeah, and it was even supposed to be PG initially. And it's still kind of weird to me that that movie is rated R. I mean, there's a couple of violent scenes, but there's no blood or anything. If if Poltergeist is PG, then The Fog should be PG. Anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, it, it could have been PG. Yeah. Maybe 13. Well, there wasn't PG-13 in 1980, so that was why they were going with PG at the time. Um, but, but yeah, um, there was definitely a lot of... Op- so much yeah. you could have done with this story. All right. So, <clears throat> so I knew that I was getting back into trash. Yeah. And not even and fun you did trash. It you, because... Anyone who has listened to this podcast knows how much I enjoy fun trash. Like in uh, in two months, I'm going to be doing my annual Troll 2 viewing again because mm-hmm. um, I, I genuinely love that movie. I do not love the 2005 remake of The Fall. There's really not much to latch on to even oh, in God. an ironic viewing at it, all. It's mostly just... So how do you want to handle this? Because we've not actually talked about this. Do you want to just kind of do a rapid fire bullet point of here's all the things that they got wrong that could have been good? Or do we want to try to stick with the uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all and stretch and try to find some of those highlights? I I knew I do want to start off with a cup. I have like two points that I want to say that I think are actually kind of okay about this movie let's save those till the end then so that we're at least ending with something positive before getting into the thing so then all right let's just kind of go through yes the technical here are many of the bad things about it Mm. um to me they tell uh, i'm I'm trying to gather all of my thoughts because it's so bad let me do you want me to start okay you can start i'm going to start what i want to say with I have to start with the editing of this movie because I think this is one of the most poorly edited movies I think I've ever seen in my entire life. 
It is a movie that spends so much time trying to solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. And then it, it spends a lot of time spinning its wheels where a person where um, really Maggie Grace is just kind of wandering from place to place throughout the movie and somehow stumbling upon clues, even though she's not really she's kind of looking for them, but also not really. But also the way she finds them is so like outrageously coincidental. It's because she had spoilers, by the way, it's because she has that magical connection to her yeah. ghost self, which is stupid. It's really dumb. Also, I think the, <laughs> it's so dumb. It, it's a movie oh that really the <clears throat> the reveal is so obvious from the very beginning. But they spend an hour of the movie trying to like slowly dole out the clues. But then at the end of the movie, they also show you flashbacks, which makes every single thing you've seen prior to this movie completely, completely like superfluous. Yeah. Like it, none of it is needed at all. That and is, it is so boring. Well, and that is probably my biggest complaint is they t- they spend way too much time over explaining everything every single thing like, and it's not even done in a good way like there is there's a part in this movie where she trips into a net like trips and falls into the water and gets tangled in a net which is supposed to be like super suspenseful but it's really just dumb and like not suspenseful <laughs> in any way like it's like how did she trip why is there a net like why is this and it goes on forever and then she somehow like puts her hand on a brick and finds a big bag of exposition. (laughs) It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And then, of course, none of those clues tell you anything whatsoever that's interesting. No, that's where they read about the leper colony getting leprosy from the Chinese. Well, yeah, but you also have the part earlier in the movie where she's in the library and she's like, hey, look, here's a symbol that I just saw on a thing that some random dude just showed me for no reason that I recognized as a hallmark, even though who who knows why I recognized it as a hallmark. Because she lives in a shipping town with (sighs) Superman. And... Yeah, and 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 also that guy, he's like, oh yeah, I've never seen that before. But did you know the Chinese brought leprosy to us? And it's like, why did he just tell her that? He's because like, yeah, they oh need my god, just that ounce of racism to make the movie that much more uncomfortable. <sighs> it, it's so bizarre. One of my biggest problems with the movie, just overall, is yeah, they spend way too much time over explaining. Also, a lot of superfluous subplots that lead nowhere. Well, so, so like that's the thing in the original fog. The Fog. I'm going to drop articles sometimes just because that's how I word sometimes. In the original The Fog, um, like all of the things that happen in the remake do kind of happen in the original, but it's subtle and Mm. it's not the point and it's just kind of like stuff that that is part of that reveal to kind of give enough of a reason that you're like, oh crap, how do they stop this unrelenting death fog? Like there are those pieces that are there, mm-hmm. but in the remake, um, I, I did not watch it with the commentary because I did not want to spend another two hours of my life immediately <laughs> yeah. after just watching it. At some point, I probably will watch it with the commentary because I don't know why, because I'm an idiot. But I did at least watch some of the behind the scenes and the writer and director were both talking about how like they wanted to keep the good parts of of the fog. Mm -hmm. And at one (laughs) point, the director even said something along the lines of if it's not broke, don't fix it, which it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, to me, that came across a little bit more as we don't know how to make things better, so we're just going to recycle all the same old ideas and throw in a few things because horror is for the younger audience. We're going to make it, you know, enticing and sexy 
which also an old dude talking about how horror is for kids and so or the younger generation so like you need to make it sexy and his way of doing that is just <laughs> having just a-, a guy video record two women dancing on a boat well it has the um the uh, obligatory oh, tom welling taking off his shirt for no reason which honestly one thing i kind of appreciate is how the uh the of course token black guy character comments on how unnecessary it is for him to have his shirt off mm-hmm. which is kind of funny and he also uses the, my favorite line in the movie, where, which is where he talks about how women have testicle telepathy, <laughs> which I don't even understand what? why he said that. Be, because oh, they because needed, of, yeah, because they make him a dick. Yeah, because uh, Superman was cheating on his girlfriend with Selma Blair, yeah. whatever. I have nothing against him. He was actually one of the bright spots of this movie. I think um, I think that really, he was a fine actor. I disagree. I think that he. I think that in this movie he was boring. But his I think reaction that to he, a dead body is to slightly open his mouth and not even gasp. I think <laughs> that he was doing fine enough with the direction that he was given. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I'll I'll give you that. Like I I could watch this movie and say you know what, eh, we we could probably do something better with him. He's got some some vague charisma. Yeah, there. Well, that, he was also Superman at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, so God, what was I talking about? You were talking about how he, um, oh, is right. uh, cheating. Was, no, that God, that's not even what I was talking about. That's where I was get. That was one of the many things that I was talking about. Oh dear Lord. <laughs> they, around so much. Uh, yeah. So uh, let, let me, let me go back a little bit. So the things in the mo- in the original that were there. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. Was the, the director saying like, oh yeah, we're going to make it sexy. Ugh. So, uh, rather than leaving the things about the original that worked, they're like, hey, this thing works, so we're going to overdo it to death. Yeah. Like, I, I, I remember the plot in the original, The Fog, about how uh, the town's founders were terrible people because they stole from this uh, from the ship and let everyone die. I, I forgot even the fact that they were lepers because it doesn't even really matter. Yeah. I just remember. Yeah. Yeah, like they mentioned that in the original, but like I had forgotten about it. <clears throat> I just remember they were terrible people uh, and stole all of this money from this uh, from the ship, and that's how the town grew up and became so prosperous. Mm-hmm. And that like they were having their big um, centennial celebration, but like I thought that there was a bigger deal of it in the original. Rewatching it, there it's really isn't. There, yeah, yeah, like there is enough of it. But they do not really spend that much time talking about it. The um, the city councilwoman or or whatever she is, like she's a little antsy about like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to make sure everything's going well. But in ways that it makes sense, in yeah. ways that if you've ever worked with like an old church lady, it's like, oh, yeah, I've I've seen that kind of energy. And, and it rings true. Yeah. In the remake, they spend so much time talking about how these four people, like they were the visionaries. And if you don't remember the past and it's just like you're focusing too much on the past. That's not why this is important. Yeah, sure, fine. That's part of the plot, but like, oh my and it god, completely, you're focusing so much. It on completely it. undermines everything that it sets up to at the ending because they're because again, spoiler: the whole reason they're there is not even really for revenge. It's because he's just kind of like looking for his uh, the main pirate dude is kind of looking for Maggie Grace's character. I don't even remember her name, Elizabeth. But he doesn't even know that she's there. It's weird. It's it's weird and it's dumb. kind of yeah. And well, I guess they the, are there for rent, revenge. They kill people and then he's there just for like rent. revenge <laughs> for rent. Yeah, we're here to pay our, for you to pay your dues. Well, and, like, and it's revenge on people who are not even in the in the and, movie. 
And Hardly. in the uh, in the original, the whole thing is six must die because there were six co-conspirators. Yeah. And so it's a, hey, it's 100 years and you're all, are, you, <laughs> you, six of you caused all of us to die. So we're going to cause six of you to die. And I, I love how it ends with just a, they might come back and this might be a thing that this town has to deal with. Every 100 years, six are going to die, which could very easily lead into like a, a sort of dystopian, like lottery-esque type of thing mm-hmm. of, you know, are we going to choose? the six is the fog in it whatever so many interesting ways they could have taken this movie but like there was a very clear six are gonna die because there were six Mm co-conspirators and in the original the priest does not know but finds out that he is related to the priest that was one of the co-conspirators and like he doesn't know and so then he is having to struggle with all of that guilt of this is what my ancestors have done which is why his sacrifice at the end means something Mm -hmm. in the remake they're like oh well that was cool how like he felt guilt with knowing things we're going to have him know since the very beginning yeah. and be drinking the entire time and yeah. then have a That's giant so mural painted in the library that we don't even bother to paint over. The giant mural explains <laughs> so, so much of what they... Here's the other thing. They're trying to piece together this mystery. The, every, all of the clues are literally right there in that picture. It's right there. I just want to know who spent the time painting the mural of those dicks robbing the leper colony. Like, it is very uh, Parks and Rec-esque. It's like I know the worst parts of our history. I know it's so weird because they treat it like, oh, we have to remember our history. We're kind of whitewashing the bad parts of it. We remember the good things, but also all of the bad parts are right there. And we everybody should have known it from the very beginning because it's right there in the courthouse or whatever. And and they don't they didn't even paint over it. They just Uh, have a giant dresser in front of it. I. Oh, my God. Okay, And then the other thing. Is that they, they spend all this time explaining it and then they oh give God. and Elizabeth also knows everything that happened because she keeps getting these flashbacks, which, again, makes everything that she learns earlier in the movie completely pointless. Uh-huh. Like it's it, it, it's completely unneeded. You could cut out every single like almost the first hour of this movie and not lose anything in terms of story. But then you wouldn't find out but, that uh, Tom Welling was cheating on his girlfriend. Okay, and that's the other thing. With Selma Blair. You get all of these other subplots that have nothing to do with the revenge plot. So you get the idea that you, there's this kind of seed of, oh, yeah, Tom Welling is cheating on his girlfriend who's been away for a long time and then just suddenly shows up walking down the road and for and, some reason and then he's gonna pick up just some random hitchhiker and when he realizes that it's her he he's is. like oh no oh crap and, and it's so <laughs> oh obvious God. and she's like oh you didn't even know it was me why are you picking up girls on the side of the road he's like oh yeah i knew it was you and you expect this to come back and like have some kind of bearing on their relationship and it doesn't in yeah. any way the only thing i can think of is they put it in there so that way you feel like he deserves it when he gets cucked in the end like by the by the pirate but who like, takes her i just i got uh uh it's so weird like it's i hate to use this uh criticism because i feel like people use it a lot but i think it's so true here this feels like a first draft of a script it, where there are so many dangling subplots that they should have worked into the plot in some way and then just don't do you want to hear something insane because i highly doubt that you actually spent the time to watch the behind the scenes no no, i'm surprised to even get the the movie back in one piece um (laughs) you haven't seen it yet the (laughs) right that's true i'm speaking that uh, out of faith the writer talked about how they intentionally (laughs) left out the fact that the girl was going to be his ghost bride at the end Mm mm-hmm so that after they got all of like the uh, the edits from the studio, mm-hmm. 
then they were going to add it in so that the studio wouldn't even wouldn't care. take it away because it's so important. Well, no, no, because <laughs> then they're like, okay, you fixed all the things that we had problems <laughs> with and like would just overlook just the fact that, that thing. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So it feels like a first draft because they intentionally left things out of it so that when they went back to the studio, <clears throat> excuse me, with the things that they fixed, they would just overlook these mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. It's wow. wow. It's weird. Yeah. Cause it's so weird. the other thing I have to, I have one last thing I have to point out about the editing and it's that this movie is not scary and it is almost entirely due to the fact that the editing is so bad in the scenes where they either, don't linger long enough on a scene for it to generate any kind of suspense or they linger too long. Yep. Like there's the scene on the boat earlier in the movie with um, the his co-pilot guy Spooner. Yes. Where he's with the women and they're just out partying for some reason on a boat. Yeah, Which first of but, all... Because they, uh, the other guy on the boat was uh, Superman's cousin. Yeah. So they show that scene first just to kind of be like, hey, look, these guys are out here party- partying. And then they go back and they show them partying again, which makes the first shot of them partying completely not no there's no reason for it to be there one of the worst things about the party on the boat that looks like the boringest ass party of just like (laughs) one person holding the camera and super close to those women who are dancing like you can't you probably can't even see them in the camera in that shot but like the way that they're dancing it's just like like is this what old people think sexy is? Yeah, I'm it's so weird. And um, but then, like when they're on the boat, <clears throat> there's a scene where like the fog rolls in, and um, I have to talk about the fog in a minute. It's I bad. wish I will. It's so bad. But anyway, the fog rolls in, and they're like, "Oh no, something bad's gonna happen." And then like the fog like bursts through into the room, and the camera sh- is like shooting from outside of the window. And it's just sitting there staring at the window. And you're like, oh, okay, I feel like something's about to jump through the window. And it holds that shot for like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, is anything going to happen? And it's also but, really, ugly. it's like super but, close up on the don't window. don't you see like the blurry ghosts when they walk through? <sighs> Not really. Because, because they're too blurry. And because they're bad. They're too blurry. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't carry any weight. The <sighs> real people in the original The Fog when they were trying, ah, it's so good. No, and that's so that's, that's a good segue because the fog in this movie is just a messy blur of CGI. Yep, it has no weight. It is so ugly. You can't really see tell anything that's going on. Like they try to put in like faces and shit into it, but it that also looks horrible. And it's not nearly as scary as in the original movie because in the original movie, even the fog itself has weight. You can tell that it is there. Like when it surrounds people, it you can feel. That is that it is oppressive and it is pressing in on them. In this movie, you just can't see shit. Well, and the original does such a good job of establishing that tension and weird things are going on. Mm-hmm. Not some weird girl is having weird premonitions about her ghost ancestor that's actually her. It, we have to stop talking about this movie because it's so dumb. The yeah. the uh, two more things that I want to say. The movie would probably be about thirty minutes shorter if uh, all of the slow mo scenes were filmed in <laughs> real time. That's true. Yeah, if it, if you took out the slow motion <laughs> and cut out all of her like in all of uh, Elizabeth's investigation stuff, it would be like a thirty minute movie, and it would be a lot better. <laughs> to be fair, it it would be you know marginally less bad. Um, <laughs> let's see. I the, I think the okay. Let me. Let oh, me go with okay. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I, I was going to get into, I was going to get into more of the missed opportunities, and we really need to stop talking about this because, like, I'm starting to feel bad that we've been saying so many bad things. 
let's talk about the things that they did well. Let's talk about some of the missed opportunities, and then let's talk about the thing. Okay. So what are some of the things that they did well? So um, I think that the movie actually, other than the than the CGI stuff that's in there, um, which, gosh, it's so sad that they use CGI for some of this stuff. I think, yep. like, um, it's actually pretty well made just in terms of, like, looking like a movie. That was one thing that was surprised <laughs> me is that, I mean, look. You were surprised at how much this movie looked like a movie? Well, like, the the uh, cinematography <clears throat> actually looks pretty good. It's colorful whenever the fog's not in there. Um, it's shot in widescreen, which is why when you said that you would get me a full screen copy of the movie, <laughs> it would take away one of the only decent things about it. Um, there's some nice aerial photography. Like there, there are certain shots in this movie that actually look pretty good when it's not enhanced by CGI. Which, which um, brings me to the like, ghosts, like the actual people, the pirates. When the pirates actually show up, like, but like not pirates. It's weird. They felt more like pirates in the original. They're just like yeah, a they colony. Do. They're, yeah, there's like te- technically the founders of. Uh, Antonio Bay. Is it Antonio Bay? Antonio Bay. I yeah. Think. No, in, it's Antonio Bay in the original. It's Antonio Island in this <sighs> one for some reason. <laughs> so. Ugh. <laughs> the founders of that community were the pirates because they were the ones robbing from um, from just standard the, citizens. Yeah, the settlers that were there. I, I do want to say that the fog in this movie is too legit to quit. Oh, because <laughs> Rupert Wainwright, the director, directed MC Hammer music videos before this. Is that where you're going? Because with this? the director's <laughs> credits include Stigmata, which I remember seeing once. I've never and seen it. Not hating it, but I also I fell asleep, so I don't remember much of he it. He directed Blank Check, which is a movie I loved as a kid and rewatched as an adult, and was like, oh. And oh. and then he directed a lot of uh, MC Hammer videos, and yeah, um, yeah. that's um. <laughs> Now, his, he got if, his he got his uh he got a blank check for the fog because of his MC Hammer cred apparently. If, if the if the fog ghosts had been doing the hammer dance, I would have loved this movie. Oh my god, it was I wish I could enjoy it. I would have it, loved this. <laughs> the fog ghosts, I think that the, the you can tell that there are some practical effects oh. put into place and they actually look pretty good, but then they do like the CGI overlay to make them translucent, which looks horrible and again takes away all of the weight that those characters could have had. Yep. Uh, it doesn't look good. Um, although I will say one thing that really, really is re- really looks good is um, there's one scene that begins really dumb, which is uh, for some reason Selma Blair's character, the DJ, she is connected with some other DJ who has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Um, and there's a scene where the fog rolls in. No, it's not another DJ. That's the um, oh, he's that, the weather guy. Yeah, the oh, he's the weather service guy. Yeah. Okay, that's right. See, I did. I had no fucking idea. I guess I just. It, yeah, I either wasn't paying he, attention or well, it wasn't he was clear also to me. the weatherman in the original movie. But like, oh I don't no, because yeah, the radar and so, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think right. that they had actually seen each other in the original. Though. I completely and forgot. And in this one, they're like, we're gonna have a webcam. That's how much I cared about this. Yeah, they have the webcam because they had to bring it into the twentieth century or twenty first century. My bad. Um, so there's a part where the fog rolls in and he goes outside to investigate. No, they brought it into the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he goes out to investigate, and for some reason, he uh, sets himself on fire. Like, he has a lantern and drops it. So, he doesn't drop it. Uh, these are, like, very magic ghosts. Uh, because, like, later in the movie where the, the priest has all of those shards of glass, like, slicing through him. Oh, that's actually kind of a cool idea. Yeah, it's a great it idea. It looks bad, but it looks like, terrible. It's really cool. Um. And so, like, one of the other deleted scenes, like, has the lantern flying out of the guy's hand and, like, flying across and throwing him back through the window. Mm -hmm. So, like... No, that's in the movie. 
there's another there was a deleted scene that added something to it that oh, I forget okay, okay. what. I I don't <clears> remember. <throat> uh so like yeah, somehow these are magical ghosts that can pick things up and move things. They're te- yeah, they're definitely telepathic or, or something. Telekinetic. Or telekinetic, yeah, yeah, my bad. They might also be telepathic. They're probably, te- yeah, maybe. Uh, so yeah, like he didn't just drop it. The I think rules are very unclear. There was some ghostly stuff going on. Rather, and again, in the original, there was just like vague, weird, strange happenings going on. It just, ugh. That's one thing that doesn't make any sense. The, the rules behind the fog don't make any sense, like how it works. or Because sometimes when you're in the fog, you're totally exposed and they can manipulate you. But then other times people are in the fog and it doesn't do anything and they're fine. So. And also, whenever, the, whenever they're out in the fog... Like, it's not really that foggy. It's only whenever the fog is rolling in that it's a huge cloud. But otherwise, it's just like a a nice little mist. I mean, that is kind of how fog is. It always looks super thick until you're right next to it. But the whole point is that the fog is supposed to be like surrounding you and oppressive. And And, and glowing. But anyway, I have to say one. Oh, go ahead. No, go go ahead because I have have a dad joke wordplay to describe this movie. Before we can talk about like (laughs) some of the things that could have been great. My quick thing that I really liked was the scene where he is set on fire and thrown into the station. There is a really incredible effect where he is on fire and his body is charred and it's really unsettling and creepy and it's clear that it's not like CGI, like it's an actual puppet and it looks really cool. I suspect that it was probably not in the original PG-13 cut of the movie because we watched the unrated version. I suspect that it's from a different movie. Maybe. I don't know. But it's so violent that I can't imagine that it was in the original cut. So the original cut has to be even worse because that scene was really cool and looked good. (laughs) You probably just hear someone screaming from inside a building. I'm on fire. Oh, (laughs) oh my God. It's like the the scene in Wet Hot American Summer where they're like, oh, yeah, you're doing it. You're saving those kids. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's definitely what happened. So even though there are a lot of very unclear rules, um, like I was saying earlier, this movie takes all of the things that were subtle and amazing about the original and over explain them to death. Mm-hmm. And the way that I describe it, <clears throat> it took things that were subtext and turned them into ugh text. Yeah, over text or something. No, it's just ugh. It's so bad. So yeah. like when you see it, it's like, oh. It's the only way to describe why they're spending so much time talking about these founding fathers being wonderful. (laughs) Ugh. I also love... Let's have all these flashbacks to these ghosts because they're ugh. Here's another thing that's so funny that's like something that is weird that he says it out loud but there's a part where they're driving through the fog and he's like oh my god the fog is so thick i can't see anything he says as he's driving 60 miles per hour down a windy country road Mm -hmm. and then crashes and it's like a fucking course you crashed (laughs) you're driving you're flying down this back road and you can't sit you literally said you can't see well what is wrong with you that's also after they run into a ghost that splats on their windshield oh yeah that's the other thing sometimes the ghost can go through things and other times you can people can gra- literally I'm, grab a ghost contract and it contract like he, i'm so at confused. the end of the movie the, the ghost hands a dude a ghost contract and I it becomes that. real i like, love that i it becomes I, corporeal or whatever i love the fact that the ghost oh, so is funny. just carrying around a contract for the last hundred years like one of these days i'm gonna be able to served. use this to claim my land or to catch someone on fire which is uh, obviously the better thing to do. God, it's a, it's so crazy. <laughs> so right. crazy. We need to move on, but I, I at least wanted to mention the, the one of the only good things about this movie mm-hmm. is not actually about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's about what this movie could have been. 
you mentioned this earlier, The Fog actually is a great movie to remake because like there's nothing about the original that necessarily like keeps it in that time. And yeah. and I think that it does translate well into being a modern story. And For sure. you know, like I I love watching Deadliest Catch. It's very um, malleable. Yeah, and like they very easily could have done something like that. They could have uh, they could have taken it off of the island and put them out into sea and have the like more of a fog thing happening there or like uh, Selma Blair's yeah. character so underutilized. There's yeah, no way that great. she's going to live. Up. Like, I mean, I don't know if she's necessarily great in the movie. She doesn't really get anything to do, but she's a fantastic casting yeah. choice. I, she's she's no Adrian Barbeau, but like she, I think, was doing as good of a job as she could have in that movie. Yeah. And one of the things so great about The Fog is like there was sort of this overwhelming uh, oppressive presence with the fog mm-hmm. but then there was sort of like the um, antonio bay's conscious conscience in adrian barbeau's character where like she was the voice of the town right and so like there was this really interesting like battle of the fates mm-hmm. between the evil and the good that never like actually met until they actually meet but like the there's so much about the movie that takes place outside of what you're watching to the point yeah. where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins are just kind of like passengers in it. Like they don't mm-hmm. really matter. And and I love that. Like, I love the fact that the people that you spend the most time watching are probably the people that you care about the least. And, yeah, and, and they, they do that in this uh, movie too, but the, the problem but is they don't, way. yeah. And the problem is they don't like the people who actually matter to the revenge plot of the story are only in the movie for like one scene earlier. And that's a scene that is only tangentially related to anything else that's happening. It doesn't set them up as people related to the plot whatsoever, other than it's like, Oh, the one woman is, um, Elizabeth's mother. And she, they have a, pro- they, Oh, that's the thing. Everyone's related in this movie. I, yeah. I hate how many dumb. Okay. Anyway, it's like star Wars. This it's worse. than. <laughs> it star makes Wars. more sense. It kind of makes sense. Cause it's an Island town and it probably doesn't have a huge population, but still. yeah, but I, anywho, and also it, it could have been a great movie. I like the, where we're like, cause, cause it can be updated and there could have been really cool effects. And, like you could have had some more of like the the burning dude in the uh, the weather station mm-hmm. where like the fog is melting their faces off like you could have gone more of that route where rather than there being like pirates in the fog the fog itself like could have been the spirits of these people mm-hmm. which could have made it so much more terrifying because it's like yeah in, in the original they're just these people that you have to you know not get caught by but if it was like the fog itself, how could you escape that? And mm-hmm. there's so many things that could have been done well. And I, I feel like they, they missed every single possible category. Yeah, I like the point you made about Selma Blair because they almost try to do, they tack something on similar to that at the end where she tries to kind of like be like, oh yeah, I don't know if this was all a nightmare, which they do in the first movie. Um, <laughs> but like the she, like she tries to deliver some kind of moral lesson at the end of the movie I feel like and it's basically like oh, what is it that she says it's a uh, it says <laughs> hold on it says yes yeah, something did come back from the sea sooner or later everything does and I'm like I'm pretty sure that's not true that's so weird I that's like, how message in the bottles work. that is the weirdest that's such a weird thing to end the movie on 
And then also, I love that the takeaway from the movie, too, is like, hey, um, we are like, basically, they spend so much time focusing on the history and how you can't run away from your past or whatever, even if it's something that even if it's your ancestors past, like it will eventually catch up to you. Mm -hmm. So the lesson at the end of the movie is Tom Welling goes out into the middle of the ocean and throws the journal out into the ocean. So that way, nobody can remember anything about the history, which is precisely the reason. Yeah, they still have the mural, of course, I guess maybe the lesson. (laughs) is that like hey we didn't need this stupid fucking bag of exposition in the first place so (laughs) next time we make this movie we're just going to not even include it the moral of the story but it seems to be it's like hey we're just going to pretend none of this ever happened the moral of the story (laughs) is the whole reason they have these problems um, and i i want to point out before i even say this i am saying this as a joke because of how stupid this is the moral of the movie is it doesn't matter how terrible your ancestors were as long as you sacrifice your daughter to a, a ghost dude for <laughs> ghost sex. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Because that, that's what solves everything is just Speaking. old old Russian dude or I don't think he's actually Russian, but like he plays a Russian in almost every movie that he's yeah. been in. Oh, yeah. Uh, just give him your daughter and then the ghosts will leave you alone. Oh, my God. They, they're murdery that's, until you give them your women. That's what they deserve. Like, this is I, mm, I didn't I didn't actually think about how problematic the ending actually is. Yeah, you're you're uh, making me reevaluate what I said about this movie being inoffensive. <laughs> relatively, I wasn't thinking about how terrible that is, and like, you know, it's probably also not actually how much of a stereotype purpose, the black character is, and how at they least, at least he didn't die. He's well, okay. You don't know because he literally disappears. He's there at the end of the movie and then he completely disappears. And there's also a weird subplot with him, like maybe being arrested for the murder of the people on the boat. Well, he's the only black guy in town. Yeah, because so, and of course they think he's the one who murdered everyone. Yeah, of course. And then he all like they have that subplot, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, we can't, we can't let you leave the hospital because we're we might need to arrest you." And then the next scene, he's not in the hospital; he's just out and trying to he, run away from the escaped. fog. And I, even, it's just there. <clears throat> what? Uh, I love how much they spend. We've got to stop talking about I this. Know. I love how they like I just have so many spend thoughts. time to intentionally point out hey this movie is set in an age of like technology we have a video camera recording women and a video camera that recorded the ghosts oh yeah it's the evidence now what are we gonna do with it it's supposed to be the evidence and then they kick it into she accidentally drops it into the water and he's like oh no because if it was evidence of course it makes sense to not give that to the police right well but it's supposed to be like it's i feel like it's supposed to be there to up the tension but then they never like the only thing is she's like oh yeah i saw it on the video camera he's like where's the video camera oh i dropped it in the water and he's just like oh okay and then it never like it doesn't matter anyway it has nothing nothing in this movie matters I I hate how much I hate this movie because I don't like hating movies. Yeah, um, man. The, <laughs> one of the best scenes in the movie. I can't believe it exists. One of the best scenes. And I'm not saying this ironically. Uh, like this scene legitimately made me laugh. It's one of the um, it, it's it's on. It's the extra scene where it's not a finished scene because they didn't have like all of the music and, and everything in it. It's a scene with Selma Blair where she turns on a record. But because it's not a finished scene, <clears throat> there's no music. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so she starts the record and then starts dancing and there's no music. Yeah. And it is hilarious. That's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. They should have put that in the movie and kept the mu- like not even had music in it. 
Also, oh, we didn't talk oh about the God, fact that so this good. movie has a great soundtrack. I love the no, after the unnecessary prologue, nope. it smash cuts. Soundtrack. It smash cuts to Fallout Boy, which is so awesome. Sugar, we're going down. It's a stupid soundtrack. Which I, I hate every, everyone in the movie is a terrible person. It's foreshadowing. Selma Blair, Blair is the closest to a likable person in the entire movie. Yeah. And that's only because you don't see her interact with most of the other people the rest of the time. But her kid is a terrible kid. Um, I, I don't understand <laughs> Oh, you have the grandmother who is killed by the hand that comes up out of the sink and it's so weird and she like melts and like, I guess you're like, I don't know. She likes to watch Jeopardy for some reason. That's the thing. Yeah, I hate doing dishes too, but I mean, (laughs) uh, and, and Soma Blair for whatever reason is like washing barnacles off of a hairbrush in her underwear because that's what you do. Yeah, they keep finding these totems that again, don't really like that. That thing (coughs) catches on fire and then she's like, oh no, I need to warn my son in case he finds more of these, these, uh, (laughs) I don't know, these terror objects. We are not trying to talk so harshly about a movie. And there are some movies that are so bad, but like genuinely so good. And we love them. The, the fog is not one of them. It's not. It's fascinating. It's, it's definitely not worth watching because as much as no. as much as puzzling as it is, for the most part, to uh, to segue into the emotional side of this, I was mostly just kind of bored. Yeah, like it's the whole first hour of the movie, a, a, a mixture of boredom and anger, just nothing making sense, and it's it's over explaining everything, but in over explaining, it creates more confusion. Just because it doesn't make sense how anything comes together, the pl- there's no actual plot. It creates more frustration. Thing, it's just weird scenes kind of limply strung together. It's, it, it's yeah, it's, it's weird. It's very so dull. So let's talk about the thing. We'll come back to our uh, how rewatchable both <laughs> of these are. Okay. Um. So even though I said at the beginning, let's talk about the fog. So let's talk about uh, spend most of our time talking about the thing. Obviously, we didn't do that because even though we tried to be nice. I can't help uh, it. I can't I, help it. I have to. I had. I just had to get it out. The, it's this is therapeutic for me. There might be people out there who like the Fog remake, and if you like the remake, that's okay. We just don't agree with you, and that's yeah. fine. Sorry, Rupert. That's, that's that's fine. If you're listening. So the thing, I I thought we were going to spend more time talking about it. I actually have less to say about the thing. We might um, need to make this a double episode no because i really do feel like there's not much to say about the thing i i I basically have like five points Mm -hmm. um i had never seen it before but i remember when it first came out thinking man i love the original like john carpenter's the thing not the original uh thing from another planet is it thing from another planet thing from another world thing from From 1951 but john carpenter's the thing it is one of my all-time favorite movies and so when this one came out in 2011 is that right yep uh, I was like, ugh, another dumb remake. This is dumb. And I did not realize until probably years later that it was a prequel, not a remake. Yeah, because they sold it as a remake. They wanted you to think it's a remake. And yep. it it is. It is. It's still and a remake. It is. As much as it wants to be a prequel. Yep. And I had never seen it, but I, I had heard mixed things. I had heard some people saying it's terrible. Some people saying it's not that bad. Um, those are about the only things that I had heard finally got around to watching it so this was a first time watch for me and i did not hate it it is a it is a very fine movie it over explains things in the beginning you know like one of the things that i love about the original is that it starts with that tension of a helicopter chasing a dog and you're like what is going on and it throws you into the action Mm -hmm. 
this one has the obligatory i don't know when they started doing this but the here you are a person that is about to go on this big expedition so we need you like actively doing the thing that is somehow going to play a role in what you're doing kind of and then have this big powerful rich person come in and give you an offer that you have to decide on immediately <laughs> rather than like actually putting it's like a team a, it's together like a, at a time. jurassic park setup it's so dumb Jurassic Park worked for a number of reasons, but this didn't. I'm sure that's probably it, before Jurassic Park, but that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, but like it, it seems it's more like an same... excuse just to get Americans in the movie because they had to set put it in the Norwegian base, which. Yep. So they they overexplain things at the beginning, and then they get into it, and and it's fine. The CGI sucks. <sighs> the, watching yeah. the behind the scenes or watching some of the stuff on YouTube of the practical effects that were made and never used, it's like this would have been great. Overall, the movie is it sacrifices the uh, paranoia and tension for action, but other than that, it is a fine movie. I yeah, I I enjoyed watching it. It is a shameless <clears throat> remake that is like almost shot for shot of John Carpenter's The Thing, but again without all of that tension and a bit more action. I wouldn't call it shot for shot. I would say that it does it's, it's basically rip off all of the same plot elements. Yeah. It just kind of it's a, like a remix, basically. So instead of the blood test, you get the uh, the the tooth cap test. I guess yeah, because because it can't process inorganic. Yeah, material. that's like the one original idea that it kind of brings to the table is that that they realize the thing can't. Um, yeah, can't. Uh, but then how assimilate does, inorganic material? But then how does the thing put on clothes? Like, they leave that out. Like, does the thing turn into someone and then neck it until they get into their barracks? Yeah, that's and kind put of on the... Clothes? Well, they, they set that up in the original movie where, like, they see shredded clothes and they realize that it, once it assimilates, it has to, I guess, sneak around all Scooby-Doo-like until it finds another pair of clothes and gets dressed, which is kind of a, kind of weird. It also... One thing that I don't like is that this movie... The, <laughs> because you don't want to see the thing's thing... <laughs> Exactly. The plot. Hap- maybe you do. I don't know. This movie is almost too fast for its own good. The plot goes by so fast that it doesn't really give you any time to to ponder on what's going on. It doesn't give. It doesn't really give enough breathing room to make it plausible for the thing to do the things that it does. Um, it to, I, again to have I enough think- time to kind of like plan and and transition into the person and then find the clothes. Like I think that's because <clears throat> in trying to separate themselves from the original. They were making it more of an action movie, and yeah. so they had to ramp up the action so it doesn't give you that time to I dwell also, in it. And also, having seen the original, you know what's going on, mm-hmm. so I guess they felt like they didn't need to explain as much. Except they do, I think. It kind of goes through the same whole plot. Like, the first half they, hour of the- They go well, through, again, almost hour, really. exactly the same thing, like, mm-hmm. almost note for note. And that's kind of the biggest- Just in a different key. It's kind of the biggest problem. I think that when they- I don't hate this movie. I don't particularly like it. I, I'm kind of just sad at the missed potential because I feel like, based on what I've the research I've done, like the original screenwriter Eric Heiser and then uh, the director Matthijs um, Heinengen. Sure, uh, he's Dutch. Um, he, so I hopefully hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I think they they did really want to hew much closer to the original. They really wanted to use practical effects. They wanted to do spend some time building out those characters and. And really making it more of a thriller, but I think it was a lot of studio intervention because there was that. there was a bad test screening, and then the studio said, "Okay, we need to paint over these practical <clears throat> effects with some CGI." That's the that's the saddest thing about the CGI yeah. is that if you go to the Amalgamated Dynamics YouTube page, you can see all of the original practical effects that they were working on, 
and you can see some of them. Like there's some really cool designs in there. I love the designs of the creature in this yeah, movie, they, but they've got the one with like the two melty face that looked awesome. Yeah, and the CGI is clearly a rush job. Like yeah. they had to delay this movie because they had to add in all these additional fe- effects. They had to put in a new ending with the f- stupid probably the most egregious worst studio note I've ever seen in my life is the weird pixelated uh, beacon thing that is on the ship. They shouldn't have gone back to the ship, but that, to me that is the biggest well, stupid mistake. The craziest thing is that, well, it's also because this is almost a like a semi-remake of Alien, yeah. I think, in a way, because like the director said he was inspired by the thing and Alien, and originally there was supposed to be a pilot on the ship, that she, and you were supposed to learn that the thing was in the process of taking over this ship and um you can see how the pilot for whatever the ship is was killed so it's not the thing's ship um it's whatever and species that, that of alien would it was assimilating why it would why it crash landed in the first place yeah so that weird uh pixelated the, the director calls it the tetris version of the movie um <laughs> that is only there to cover up the pilot because all of the cgi in this movie is literally just covering up whatever effects that they were using. makes me really sad it's ridiculous and really sad yeah. yeah i i don't necessarily think the movie would be like significantly improved by practical effects and <clears throat> i i would because like, i think it would be enough to make it worth watching for sure uh, and i don't think so, it's not worth watching necessarily i think it would improve it but i just still feel like it would be just okay so i don't really have much else to add it's so too we can, close to the original we, we can start wrapping things up with this that's the thing. Uh, ha 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 ha. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love the, the cast and yeah, there's the, lots of there are there are a lot of really good things solid about the thing prequel the remake. Um, and, and I, I mentioned this to you before before we started recording. If John Carpenter's The Thing did not exist, I would probably love the 2011 The Thing because it really is not a bad movie there are some issues with it the studio intervention and the cg covering up practical effects mm-hmm. were an issue yeah there's some dumb plot points of more. here let's over explain things at the beginning and not give you enough time to dwell on the paranoia there are some issues um, there's there's a lot of potential i love that mm-hmm. they introduced americans in there because i feel like that's a great opportunity to make it even more tense and to amplify the paranoia because not only do you have like Oh, I don't know who's the thing, but there's also that language barrier that exists between them. Yeah, and they, but only with like a couple of people. Yeah, they so sort many of, of them speak English. That's true. They do sort of the, include it a little bit. They have some distrust, and they have to have one guy translating for some of them. And that's a cool idea, but they just don't really. They, it's they only in that one scene. They in the don't blood give test you time scene, to dwell on it. The blood um, test remake. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the cast did a fine job. I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, oh, did great. She's really good, but she's no Kurt Russell, and she doesn't have that same charisma. And so, like, it, I think it she is, has the charisma I just again i think the movie doesn't do I enough to think establish the characters yeah, i don't think that character not not her as an actor uh, or actress but that character yeah the char- they didn't spend think, enough time establishing any yeah. kind of but like some of those minor issues aside were it not for the fact that john carpenter's the thing existed this would be a, this would be a really good movie mm-hmm. like i i probably wouldn't be saying oh my god it's amazing but you know it'd be like just another fine sci-fi action movie that i would watch it'd be on par with like i robot and um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just like one one of the movies the movie where we talk just, about next week probably RoboCop. <laughs> or robocop it it is a fine movie that if the original didn't exist i would really enjoy it the fact that uh john carpenter's the thing does exist it just makes this movie pointless. 
Yes, it's a, a prequel, technically, and I do appreciate the fact that they made it a prequel so that there is at least an explanation as to why, um, like, some of the things are happening or they're, like, intentionally not trying to replace Kurt Russell, even though they are. But so, like, it being a prequel is just smart enough to where it's like, you know what? I can forgive some of these other issues because they're not technically trying to remake this movie. They're just trying to remake this movie the fog even if john carpenter's the fog did not exist the 2005 version of the fog is a bad movie yeah yeah it's period so how rewatchable do you think these movies are um so the only the only way i would even consider rewatching the fog is i'm mildly curious about the director's commentary just because i would like proof that the director actually sat through this movie and I'm curious to hear his defense of it and like just hear his, whether or not he's even defending it. I don't know. I'm just I just want to hear his thoughts and sure. hear him explain things. It probably I'd probably regret it like 10 minutes into it. But I just I like the idea of like I'd like to think that he has his head so far up his own butt, though, that like everything that he's saying is talking about how perfect everything is. I, I picture know, it being that kind. I listened of to a podcast. I listened to the WTF. I, yeah with Mark Marin podcast where he was interviewing Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio recently. And they're talking about how, when they sit down for the first screening of a movie that they were in, like you can usually feel it in your gut, even like in the middle of the movie. And once it's over, like you can feel it if it's a turd, if it's a yeah. stinker. So I cannot imagine the director of this movie sitting through this movie and thinking that it works. And I, he made a lot of MC hammer videos. <sighs> Dude, he also oh, made the straight out of Compton music wow. video, the NWA music video, which is a, I mean, so, I mean, obviously music video is a totally different medium or I mean, sort of, it's a totally different set of criteria for what's good and what's bad. But I still just, I can't imagine him sitting through the, I'm just curious is all right. I'm curious. That's the only way I would consider rewatching it. But otherwise, curiosity no. and schadenfreude. I'm, I'm just going to pronounce that word differently every single time. That's, Cause that's, I don't, that'd be a fun. Exercise. Yeah. Uh, those are the only two reasons to watch it. Just like what the crap are they thinking? And I want to watch my friend squirm watching a movie, kind of the yeah. only reasons. And yeah. and we really hate saying that. And I also kind of hate how much time we spent talking about the fog rather than the thing, because the thing is a. I just have a lot it, more. It, it is an immensely better movie. That's why I was thinking it'd be nice to do a follow up on the thing, because I, w- I don't really want to rewatch it. I mean, it's not a movie that I really particularly it, care- cared for. It's a fine movie. And I feel it's like there's going to be some overlap when we talk about Robocop next time. Maybe with the these two movies fall in that same category of they're fine. They're just not the original. Yeah, yeah I mean, so we'll probably have a little bit of uh, carryover with the thing in the RoboCop episode. Possibly. I think the thing remake is kind of forgettable. I don't really, if they ever were able to do a director's cut or something, which I'm sure there's like a 0.01% chance of that ever happening. I would be mildly curious to see it, just see if it, how it improves. Um, but ultimately I think it's just a sad case for everyone involved and that it wasn't the movie they really wanted it to be. Um, I, it's, it's, I don't know. I wasn't, particularly bored but i also didn't really care for anything that was happening so yeah the uh the thing remake is it, it's in my irobot list of it just like made me sad yeah like <laughs> it, it didn't make me sad because again it's fine it it does not stack up to john carpenter's the thing i have to make no, that clear. and i didn't expect it and, to well and i also want to highlight that i think i was hoping that, to enjoy it i think that evil dead is a much much better remake than the thing So quality of movie, Evil Dead is a better movie. I had higher expectations for Evil Dead. 
I had incredibly low expectations for the thing. So when I watched it, I was expecting it to just not be the worst movie that I had ever seen. And, and it met that. And so I was able to enjoy the thing more because of how low my expectations were. Yeah. But the, the, uh, the thing prequel remake, whatever it's in my list of like, yeah, if it's on, I, I'll, I'll watch it. It's fine. I'm not going to pay attention to it. Like mm-hmm. even trying to rewatch John Carpenter's the thing in preparation for today's episode. Any time that, um, that like, you know, I was watching it and, and, uh, whatever I had to help with dinner or if the phone rang or like any sort of distraction, I'm like, no, I don't want, I don't want to be distracted from this movie mm-hmm. with the, with the prequel remake thing. The, if the pre-make, the, the pre-make, if I was distracted, just like, yeah, whatever. Did I miss something? No. All right, cool. I, I don't even know who any of these characters are. Yeah, I feel like are. you probably would miss, wouldn't miss anything. Yeah. There, there's the too many characters. I don't even feel like half of them had names. It doesn't matter. It's whatever. So it, it is a. They were fine, all named Peter or Lars. Yes, <laughs> it is a perfectly fine, forgettable movie with decent action sequences that unfortunately are ruined by terrible CGI. But it's it's fine. It's not good, but it's fine. Yeah, I'll, I will say though, I it made me question like the thing the things. Um, I don't know. It's mo like the way that it the way that it reacts to things like because sometimes it will try to hide out and people or whatever but then other times it will just randomly hulk out and start attacking and it doesn't really make action. much sense it's it's because they were going for action in the prequel i, I understand but it's not motivated by anything happening no, in the no, movie that's, and and again like that's one of the issues with it and is, it also it made me wonder like suspense and it just makes it an action movie it made me wonder like because there's the part where they're carrying the one guy in and he detaches his arm and now they're like he, he attaches both arms and now there are three things to contend with it made me wonder like it almost made me question how much i love the original because i I was like, oh, it could just break itself off into a million pieces and just easily take over what? everyone. No, like they. What is the point of it? Even like trying to hide within people. What? What is? What is its goal? They, like, what is they? I mean, they. they what are the of, instincts? They kind of address that organism? in the original with the look. If even one, it like if even one cell of this gets in you like it'll take over you exactly yeah so that's why uh, it makes me question but, but the like, logic that's, of that that's why when they were like you know we all should prepare our own food eat out of cans like they address the fact that it's not just a singular creature like it, it but is, in my mind in my mind in the original movie i didn't think that it could just randomly break itself off i don't think that it was necessarily randomly no because it like got shot or not or randomly it's yeah, exactly yeah, in, the, yeah. in the original movie it's like it would only happen if they accidentally cut it or shot it or whatever yeah and that, that's what or, happened like, this took, one. or took blood out of it but yeah. in th- no in this one there's uh-huh. a scene where it, it, it literally split itself no Yes, in the scene where they're no. going into the rec room, they're carrying the one guy yeah. in, and he's got his arms draped over them, yeah. and the arms come off and become independent things. Yeah, the arms like fall off because it detaches itself. Well, it's, they don't. It's like, they don't rip the arms off. It's like the head that crawls behind uh, Kurt Russell. Oh, like, I guess that's, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, like, so then to, I just. I guess that's one of those suspension of disbelief things. To but me, it's it just didn't weird. Bug me because I never. It bugged even, me more in this one than in the original because I guess I was focusing more on like the yeah. logic of it. Well, and even, in the first movie, it has a pretty tightly constructed plot that I'm paying attention a, to. And because so you care about the characters. Logic doesn't matter quite so much because I'm just so fully invested in the premise and the way these things are. Yeah, and because together. you care about the characters and what's happening to them. It almost them, retroactively makes John Carpenter's movie worse. No. Which is the opposite no, of what The Fog does. No, because you care about... You care about the characters, and so the thing is an active threat no, against I agree. these people that I you love. 
rather than in the remake where it's just like who are the i don't know it I don't magnifies a minor flaw in the original in my mind well and i never viewed the thing whether it's a flaw or not i don't necessarily think it, it's a flaw but. even though i know that the thing is like a sentient creature that can fly a spaceship and whatever like has a purpose i always viewed it more as just like an invasive virus yeah to where like yeah maybe it had some reason for being but it was more of just its entire purpose was to consume and take over everything, mm-hmm. which is why it's splitting into multiple pieces. I didn't have a problem with, or like taking over things and eating them and destroying. Like that's why it never really bugged me. And in this one, it still doesn't bug me. It's because mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, a creature trying to take over everything. It's kind of like, why does a virus exist? I don't know. Yeah. You can argue, I guess you could argue that and- because of how, how more uh, emboldened it is in this first, in this prequel movie, I guess you could argue that it learned from its mistake and that's yeah. why it's a little bit more uh, um, stealthy in, yeah. the, in two, the second or in the 82 version. Two final things. Uh, and, and then we'll finish, finish stuff up. Um, one of my biggest problems with the prequel, again, it's fine, but uh, the, the impact that it has on the original you know how like one of the greatest things about the original is um, whether or not Kurt Russell's character. Um, why am I drawing uh, McCready? McCready. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not McCready or Childs are actually the thing mm-hmm. at the end, and like that, like that's a huge point of contention. Like, are one of them the thing? Are both of them then the thing? Oh, are yeah. neither of them the thing? He has, a, he has an earring. He has an earring. Yeah. And uh, the prequel like takes. It, it intentionally goes out of its way to say, this is how you know that it is not. Yeah, they a- literally use an earring as an example in the yep. prequel. So they're trying, and it's like it's trying to answer that question. Unless, again, you could argue that it learned from that experience. And, and just put an earring in. And, it, and like when it morphed into Childs, it found the earring and put it in. Maybe. That's that's what I'm viewing, because I like to keep that ambiguous. Maybe. Because, yeah, the ambiguity but I also like of the believe. end of the thing is great, <clears throat> and I love it, and oh, I just... It's so, so it's such so a perfect. perfect ending. Yeah, it really is. Although I do like to believe that they're both humans. That's kind of where I. That's kind of how I fall on it. But I, I, I want to believe that they're both human because of how much I love Kurt Russell. The just how bleak the movie is, and how dark some of John Carpenter's endings get. Sometimes I think that they're both. They're the, both a thing. They're both <laughs> the thing, and they've become untrusting of each other. Well, they do establish that in in the uh, prequel movie. There, there's the one woman who is the thing who literally is like, "Oh yeah, I uh, saw this other guy." Like it, it's trying to seed distrust. Yeah, and by making it by making her think that someone else is the thing. So you could definitely see it that way. And I yeah, guess. so. I'd, Part of me kind of but, hopes but no, that I guess both that McCready and Childs are the thing. But then that kind of r- But they ruins. don't know who they are because because they're trying to be human. And the thing as a human doesn't recognize another thing as there's a some, thing or anyway. There's some fascinating ramifications, though, because then that means that every single bit of the thing is an independently thinking creature rather than one like hive. Yeah, mind. There's, there's lots of things huh. that it could be. So I. I like that. I, again, I hate how the earring bit kind of gets rid of the the mystery, but whatever. I'll choose not to believe it. Sure, <laughs> keep it headcanon that way. It makes more sense. Also, I just, I'll just choose to believe the prequel doesn't really exist. But the prequel's fine. It, yeah, it's un, it's, fine. it's it's unnecessary, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. So. The last thing, and I asked you this uh, before the episode: Do you think that xenomorphs and the thing? are somehow related either by like the thing taking over 
the xenomorphy people and then that's just like how it has changed the way that it takes over or by a xenomorph somehow getting into a thing monster and just changing how it attacks people because in my mind i'd like to think that somehow they're related i don't i think that in uh, this prequel movie it really tries to call back to the thing like they do a face hugger bit sort of with one of the, with you the thing alien did I say? Oh, yeah, my bad. Thing. With Alien, yeah. It does definitely have a lot of um, homages to Alien because, like, the one arm that um, detaches turns into a, basically a face hugger. Yeah. Um, and, oh, man, that effect is really good. That's actually done practically when they have uh, the dude tor- who plays Tormund in Game of Thrones when the face hugger is in his face. It, like, goes in his face and is, like, under his eye. Oh, it's so it's really yeah. good. Some things about this movie are um, great. I just like to think that Xenomorphs and the Things are yeah. uh, cousins, at least. They do a chest-bursting thing, too, at one point in the movie, which is kind of neat. But and, um, and I think that's why I was thinking of it is watching the prequel. It gives you a lot more of uh, it gives you a lot more of those notes. That I mean, of course, a thing there a thing <clears throat> could be a xenomorph because it can just assimilate it. Um, but I don't necessarily think that they are related as a species. Nah, I, like to think I don't think a xenomorph somehow. a xenomorph is not a thing, but a thing could be a xenomorph. Sure, well, the thing could be anything, right? And and like if a facehugger tried to attach itself to a thing, it's interesting because they try to do give some biology to the thing in the prequel. I don't like it. It, it has a person in an amniotic sack of some sort, which is weird. I don't like it. But which which it, begs the question, was, could a xenomorph implant itself into a thing? But I guess in that case, it would just become a like xenomorph. It, it the was thing like would reverse giving birth. Like it was absorbing the person into its crevice into yeah an and to, be, to, to become it yeah i, think, I mean it's, I don't know. it's a lot of fascinating neat. things maybe at sure. some point we'll go back and do a another thing episode eventually nah not right now <laughs> next well up. i never did a full review of the original thing you had to do that on your own because i flaked out sounds about right so we could do that yeah, at some point we will do a i'm a always thing willing to talk episode. it's one of the best 1982 versions one <laughs> we'll, of my favorite we'll do another thing episode um <clears throat> All right, we, we've pretty much covered how rewatchable they are and who we recommend them for. Um, yeah. Oh, no, that's not true. Because I have a recommendation for The Fog. No one. No, I already said. Like, I recommend either, like, just out of curiosity or out of schadenfreude. But my recommendation is for film students. Of what not to do. Of what not to do, yeah. yeah because it, as someone who took some film classes, like, you're always studying great cinema, and it's like, here's how you make a great movie. But I feel like there's not enough emphasis placed on, like, hey, here's a movie that is really not doing things very well. And I think that a lot of people learn better by learning what not to do than by learning what you should do. So, yeah, I think in that case, this would be a very instructive movie for learning how not to edit, for, for, especially for screenwriters and editors. The Fog feels <laughs> like a C paper that you want to give an F to. <laughs> like, you read through it and oh, it's Oh, no, like, it's not. A, it's an F. Well, no, like, you read through it and it's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. This is an F. But then you're like... I. I mean, like, I feel bad. Like, like technically, they kind of met this criteria. I mean, uh, I guess, mm. I guess, technically, it is technically a movie. Technically, they did meet like some of the. I, I guess technically they did follow through with the. So you split I, the difference to give them a D. Well, like, like, yeah, like the. I would say that's that's like true. You're, like I, you're arguing, just like, oh, they deserve an F. How can I justify giving them an F? It's a, it's a D minus. Uh, yeah yeah bad don't watch it sorry rupert if you're listening to the podcast i am i I am so sorry that we've been spending so much time talking about a bad movie 
Yeah. All right. Like talking bad about a movie. Yeah. I, th- th- this feels wrong. It does. We should just burn this. And it, it felt cathartic, but <laughs> it was. I, I needed it. I needed to talk this and vent. Yeah. It's just sad that we have to put this out into the world. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, we could we could just you know burn it and I, never let I, anyone see the light of day. Burn it like it's like I, it's a. I, thing. I mean, we could, but I, then then we would have to find a, a flamethrower somewhere and. <laughs> We, we can just go to an Antarctic base because apparently flamethrowers are just readily available. Seriously, what are all those science people doing with flamethrowers? This is it. Yeah. Also, if I set my computer on fire, I feel there, like those there fumes to melt would ice. be very toxic. And so while good in theory, I don't, I don't think that's a very practical idea. We need to just share. We'll share this with our audience so that way uh, they can tell us what to do with it. <laughs> Plus, we told people we were, we were doing this one because yeah, we also said we were doing uh, we're obligated. Uh, a heist before Christmas, and that barely happened. Yeah, we should probably start right. reneging on our promises. Look, I was ready. Or to the do audience them. won't trust us. I was ready to do them. Oh, it's my fault. Yep. So oh, that sounds about right. Next up, we're going to be talking about RoboCop. <laughs> yep. One of Paul Verhoeven's greatest movies, one of my personal favorites, and a remake that also exists and is fine. Sure, it's fine. It's not. It. It. It's like the thing. It's not good. It's kind of pointless, but it's mm-hmm. fine. Okay. If the original didn't exist, it'd be fine. Spoilers for how I feel about the RoboCop remake, by the way. We shall see. It's fine. All right. Keep so. keep low expectations. I will. Oh, I am definitely am. Yeah, I have. Very low. I'm not expecting to enjoy this any more than I didn't really like it the first time. I'm not expecting it to be any better this time. So it's, it's fine. Uh, and then we have the first of our decade episodes covering uh the early days of cinema up into uh 1919 uh i'm really really looking forward to this me too i'm so excited there's no way that we're going to cover nearly as much information as we want to so it's not going to be like a comprehensive retrospective it's going to be more of like hey here's some things that came out during that time that we watched that are cool so it's more kind of like how we feel visit revisiting these movies, yeah. like on a personal level uh, in like a broader cultural context <clears throat> of film history rather yes. than like how we feel about the individual films. Yeah. It's not going to be a review kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, there might be a few that we talk about it. It's going to feel more like the, uh, the opening segment on shockwaves where they talk about, so oh, what yeah, have you been sure. watching for the for last sure. week or last two weeks, however long it goes between their episodes. Uh, but it's going to be decade specific. Yes. This first one, the very, very, very early days of cinema. So we'll talk about some 1800 stuff. Um, cause like, for example, I had forgotten about Edward Mybridge and like, as soon as I saw his name, it's like, Oh yeah, I did research on him as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. I, ah, I remember things. <laughs> be like 1890s ish through 1910s, yeah. but mostly the first couple decades in the yeah. 1900s and and then you know in in february we'll be talking about the 1920s march 1930s so after this first month it'll be a, a decade a decade. month yeah it's just there's so both a lot and not much to talk about in the uh, early days of cinema it's not a lot of features it's a right. lot of short films and experiments with film and kind of like figuring out the language of cinema right and yeah i'm looking forward to that it's gonna be fun <sighs> i can't wait We've, we've also got some other things up on the horizon. Uh, eventually, we're going to do some Star Wars episodes. We were already talking about our schedule for this year, and I cannot wait until we get into some of our other themed months. Um, yeah, start start getting ready for February when we do Love and Monsters. I'm I'm already excited about that one. Yeah, really looking forward to that as well. So looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Been doing some research. Any final thoughts about uh, either of the John Carpenter remakes? <sighs> not No, not really. 
I'm done. My, my last thought Wipe is... Wipe my hands clean of it. The Thing is practically perfect. One of my favorite movies of all time. And the remake, I had such low expectations for that it was fine. The yeah. Fog, <clears throat> you know, not his best, but it's, it's good. Had so much potential to be an incredible remake, and it squandered all of it. And <laughs> that makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah, The Thing might actually... Even though I don't really like it, it might just kind of by default be the best thing that is related to a John Carpenter film not made by John Carpenter. Um, but, you know, there is a, like I I did a paper on the uh, on uh, in, in college. I did a paper on Who Goes There, the novella by John W. Campbell Jr. And uh, then the 1951 thing from Another World and then the 1982 John Carpenter movie. Um, and my thesis was basically like how the much like the thing itself, each story kind of adapts itself to the time that it was made in and how it learns from the previous iterations and gets better in time. And uh, I wrote this paper after the 2011 movie was made <laughs> and I deliberately left it off because I feel like it totally destroyed my thesis. Yep. Well, because <laughs> it wasn't trying to do a separate thing. And if it had like if it had been trying to if it had used the book as a source material which it kind of does actually there are certain things that pulls from the novel if it novella had used, that if it had the used the, if it had used that as the source material rather than john carpenter's movie and just try to be a different movie it could have been great the problem was it was trying too hard to just remake a specific movie right rather than giving a different interpretation of source material exactly it didn't go the evil dead route enough yeah all right all right uh where do you want people to find you um, you can find me on Twitter at the Chimerican, on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews, and on Litterbox at Eric J A Y. And you can find me at slash the podcast. Not that I am the podcast, but it's just you know how it works. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Video Monster Pod, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just do a search for Video Monsters. Leave some reviews. Let us know what you think. Let us know what remakes you wish that we were covering even though we're not going to have time to because we have one more episode. Then we're moving on to another topic. But hey, you know, we've uh, got lots of other movies that we'll eventually cover. So yeah, let us know what movies you want us to cover and we'll eventually get around to them. And yeah, be on the lookout for Chat Film Fest announcements. Those might not be for another month or two, but um, the Film Fest is only three months away. So start getting ready for that. Cause, yeah. Because you'll, you'll need to. You, it. you will need to prepare yourself. I'm prepared. I don't think you are. I'm not. Well, I'll be all right. I'll make it. Yeah, you'll survive. All right. <laughs> That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And remember, kids, um, maybe just like don't try to remake John Carpenter movies because he's a brilliant and it's, it's really, really hard to do things as well as he did. Even the Halloween movies, which, you know, they've got some good aspects about them they just they're not gonna be the same they're not gonna stack up just, yeah just don't be yourself don't try to be john carpenter because <laughs> nobody is nobody can be as good as john carpenter because only john carpenter can be john carpenter <sighs> i love john carpenter me too he's so cool yeah like, he just seems like a rad guy i think maybe he is a thing uh nope or or he's a, a fog ghost He's, he just returns from the sea every now and then to, <laughs> to claim his paycheck for his remakes. <laughs> <laughs>
He just shows up and his eyes are glowing and then he gets his paycheck for whatever. <laughs> he gets his golden cross. He gets all right, his, I'm good. Like he, they pay him in gold doubloons or whatever and, <laughs> and that he returns back to his, his lair where he'll, he goes back to his video games. And I would love it if like he had it in his contract to be paid in gold doubloons. <laughs> that would be so badass. It'd be fantastic. Although I feel like he probably wouldn't want to go through the effort of like doing a currency exchange. So he'd just be like, no, cash is fine. Check, of course, but you know. Have that have that thing direct deposited straight into that bank account there, so I can keep See, doing what he, I do. He gets paid in gold doubloons, but he has them deposit directly into his bank. <laughs> yes, <laughs> his bank under the sea. All right, we have to go. Come back next yep, week when we're talking it. about Robocop. Bye bye. Bye. You ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> Take off my nosy bracelet. I thought you said nosy. Like, yes. <laughs> like, a dick, <laughs> like it's just constantly in your business. My bracelet. Yeah, it's totally just will not leave you alone. It's always following me around. <laughs> always holding my hand. But, I mean, I guess you had to consent to it holding your hand since you put it there. Anyway, this is stupid. Let's go. <laughs> Podcast. I know. Uh, <clears throat> ahem.